So I'm a little worried we're going to kill Violet Snail when you're in Minnesota. <laughs> I don't think you can kill the snail. It's so easy. You just like give it algae and keep water in the tank. It might climb out sometimes, but just put it back in. Does it have a name, by the way? Yes, Nala. Her name is Nala. Nala. Okay. Well, if not, we'll replace Nala with another Nala. <laughs> She'll never know the difference. Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Liz Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in LA, and with me is my high school friend and writing partner, Sarah. That's me, Sarah Fain. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. In today's episode, we're going to examine whether our goals are aligned with how we're spending our time. It's way too easy to get caught up doing things that don't serve our end game. And then we'll talk about catastrophizing and the recent reminder in our own lives that it's just not worth doing. In our new Amplify segment, we'll talk about a book by a fellow TV writer and then one of the best TV shows we have seen in ages, Vita. If, like us, you haven't had a pedicure since March, this week's Hollywood hack will be life-changing, or at least feet-changing. <laughs> but first, Sarah, quick update. I wanted to tell everybody that I was a guest last week on Morgan Simpson's podcast, which is called What's Running You?, we talked to Morgan um, on Happier in Hollywood in episode 127 about his book, What's Running You. And this podcast is a companion to it, and he has a lot of great conversations. Hopefully, he had a great conversation with me. So we will post a link to that in our show notes. Uh, one thing, Sarah, in Morgan's book that I love is that he says everybody should have a personal board of directors mm, yes. um, who you consult. So you're definitely on my board of directors. <laughs> and you are on mine as well. <laughs> okay, Liz, it is time for From the Treadmill Desks Of, in which we discuss what's most pressing in our work psyches. And this week, it's a question. Are your goals and your time aligned? Yeah, and this question came up for us recently because we realized we needed to examine our own schedule and determine if we're spending our time wisely. Yes, we've, we are developing right now, and we've talked about this before, but it like when you're developing, it means you have to go down a lot of different roads, and some of the roads are very long and lead nowhere, which can be super frustrating, and things pop up all the time, different projects, there's a book, there's a foreign format to watch, there's a reboot of an old show, it's just like lots of things are coming at you, and yes. each one requires a certain amount of time, some just a little and some a lot. Yeah, it can be anywhere from five minutes to five days to five weeks, and it can lead to a show or it can lead nowhere. So <laughs> what we've realized is it's easy for us to get caught up in short-term thinking yeah. and spend a lot of time working on something that if we step back and look at it in terms of our bigger goals in our career and our life— it may not be something we even want to spend time on. Right. And it's hard because many projects we can just say no to very quickly. Right. But many projects pop up and you're like, 
well, we really love this producer, or we really love this network executive, or it's a big, splashy title. There's something about it that's really compelling that makes it seem like, okay, for a variety of reasons, this could be a good thing to do. But you have to say, wait a minute, is this worth the 45 minutes to an hour of a meeting? Is it worth an afternoon to talk about the the meeting beforehand? Is it worth a a day or weeks? Is it worth a year? And is it aligned with where we ultimately want to be going? Yeah, because we realized we were sort of asking ourselves the question of, should we take this meeting? Should we spend an afternoon thinking about this idea? But we weren't asking ourselves that question in the context of our bigger goals. Right. And so once I think you pointed out, well, wait, does this, we were talking about something and you said, well, how does this serve our bigger goal in our career? And when we really stopped and looked at the question in that context, we realized we shouldn't spend any time talking about it at all, right. basically. Yeah. And then we go, okay, that quickly we realized that's the most important question. Right. And we need to ask ourselves that every single time. And it wasn't an easy decision to make. This was the specific thing we're talking about was a straight to series, like potentially just like you pitch and go straight to series, which is obviously very compelling. But Very when we, compelling. Very. But when we looked at it in the big picture, it just wasn't what we want to be doing. And the time that it would have taken to get there would have taken us away from the things that we really do want to be doing that are aligned with our goals. Yeah, we really realize we don't want to get caught up in short-term gain um, at the expense of our bigger picture. Yeah. Um, and so we and so when it comes back to that question of aligning your time and your goals, because time is finite. So we just said, okay, from now on, let's only spend time on things that are going to further us down the path toward our goals. I feel like this, honestly, could be one of the biggest realizations we've ever had and could lead to the most benefit. I 100% agree. It seems so obvious, but it's, it's really not when you have bills to pay and pressing concerns, which we do. So this is, this is not easy. No, it's quite risky in a lot of ways. This goes back to riding the dragon, really. We are. I mean, we are on that freaking dragon. Yes, our development motto. (laughs) But I was thinking it doesn't just apply to us as TV writers. I mean, this applies to someone, say you want to go back to school. You should be aligning your time with things that ensure you can go back to school. If you are someone who has a side hustle and you want to turn that into your career, you should spend time on things that lead toward that goal. Absolutely. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, this question is relevant. And it's relevant also in our personal lives. Yes. Even more so, probably. Absolutely. No, we, um, as a Hollywood hack a couple weeks ago, said, like, do one thing every week. Mm-hmm. about, you know, that's important to you, towards something that's important to you. And of course, that's actually very hard to do. So one of the things that I've decided to do when I get to Minnesota is start instituting the Pomodoro method mm. and having Pomodoros, I think they're called the 25-minute blocks of work, that are specifically set toward 
personal things, like Ah. a 25-minute block once a week that is just about reconnecting with people I haven't spoken with, a 25-minute block once a week that is about sending postcards and calling senators. So I actually have those things scheduled in so that in a personal way, my time is aligned with my goals. Yeah, I was also thinking another way to stay on track with this, Sarah, would be to monitor how time is being spent. Oh, because, yeah. Because, you know, we always, we pay attention to what we monitor. My sister, Gretchen Rubin, is always pointing that out. Yeah. And so if you write down, oh, I'm spending 30 hours a week on something that I really don't even want to be doing, it'll stop you from doing that. So that's another thought. But I want to know um, from our listeners, is the way you're spending your time in alignment with your goals? If not, can it be? And how can it be? I want to know. Email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Coming up, we talk about a recent reminder that there is no point to catastrophizing. But first, this break. Liz, there is nothing I love more than having a delicious meal that I didn't have to cook, which is why I have been getting no prep, no mess meals from Factor. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Last night, I had blackened salmon with broccoli and with cauliflower rice. It was so delicious. It was the perfect dinner. Head to factormeals.com slash HIH50 and use code HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code HIH50 at factormeals.com slash HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Okay, Sarah, it's time for our Take a Hike segment where we talk about physical, mental, and spiritual health. And today it's mental health. Remember, don't catastrophize. (laughs) Yes. We have talked about the notion of catastrophizing before. Um, The definition of catastrophizing is when someone assumes that the worst will happen. Often it involves believing that you're in a worse situation than you really are or exaggerating the difficulties you face. And like we are 100% guilty of this. Yes, I know. I think I'm especially guilty of it. Not the thinking the situation is worse than it is, but the part where you're imagining the worst will happen. Yeah. We know it never helps to catastrophize. Never. I can't think of one time where it's been benefit. Even if the worst does happen, it's still not helpful to catastrophize. No, no. It just makes you more stressed for longer. That's yeah. all it does. Um, and recently we had this experience and had this awareness renewed for ourselves. Yes. <laughs> because the WGA and the AMPTP, which is the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, were negotiating a new contract, which is an, a thing that happens every three years. It's always really stressful. It means there's the potential of a writer's strike. And every three years, we catastrophize. Yes. We're like, if there's a strike, what are we going to do? How long is it going to last? We won't have work. It's going to be horrible. I mean, now I will say we have reason for this because one time we did go on strike in 2007 and it was horrible, um, although it was necessary. 
Now this time we had so here we had this prime catastrophizing situation, but the prospect of a strike right now during this pandemic was so horrific <laughs> that both of us, every time it came up, just said, we can't even handle that prospect. We're not spending a moment thinking about it because like we just can't even deal with catastrophe. It was so bad we couldn't even catastrophize. Yeah, we, just we just rejected the notion <laughs> yes. and moved on. <laughs> yeah. So e- anytime one of us brought it up, the other one just shut it down. <laughs> and cut to good news. It seems we've reached a deal. There is not going to be a strike. And we kind of had this moment with each other where we said, I'm so glad we didn't waste hours of our time laying awake at night, et cetera, worrying about a strike because it it just didn't happen and it wasn't anything to worry about. Yeah. And again, this is one of those lessons we have learned before and we will probably learn again. But I think this was so salient for us because we have catastrophized about this particular thing so many times. Yes. And we really realize it's just so pointless. It's not something any individual has control over. Right. So what is the point? And I hope that it will make us more aware of catastrophizing on things large and small moving forward. So we can just say, are we catastrophizing? Let's not catastrophize. Yes. If we don't get a certain phone call we're expecting, let's not go to, oh, the person's changed their mind. They don't want to do the project. Let's just wait and see what happens. Yeah. We don't need to spend a lot of time thinking about it, analyzing it, or worrying about it. Because catastrophizing is not a good use of our time and does not align with our goals. No, it does our not. Our segments intermingle. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. You're right. And Sarah, it's good because you and I can keep each other in check. Yes. And so um, that accountability is so important. I wanted to issue an invitation to our listeners, Okay. Whenever you find yourself starting to catastrophize, and goodness knows there's plenty of opportunity to do, to do it right now, log on to our Facebook group. You just search for Happier in Hollywood in, the, in Facebook to join the group and express what you're trying not to catastrophize about. And we will send you a message of encouragement. Okay. And I'm sure other listeners will send messages of encouragement to each other. So let's help each other out. Let's stop catastrophizing together. I love this. This is such a great idea. Okay. Messages of non-catastrophizing support. Yes. Okay. Next, we're moving on to our new segment, Amplify, in which we highlight the work of women and people of color. And this week, we're going to start with a book from a fellow female TV writer. Yes. We want to tell everyone about the new novel, The Spinster Diaries by Gina Fattori. Gina has written on shows like Dawson's Creek, Gilmore Girls, Californication, Parenthood, and one of my all-time favorites, Masters of Sex. Um, Sarah, it's really hard to put out a book right now during the pandemic. Yeah. Um, so we are giving special love to all of our novelist friends. Um, but The Spinster Diaries is described as a semi-autobiographical, unromantic comedy. I liked that description. <laughs> I loved it because the main character is a TV writer, and I totally related to the way she talked about the job. It wasn't like glamorized or romantic. It was just very much <laughs> what it's like to be yes, a TV writer. The grunt work. 
And it starts with her finding out that she's got a brain tumor that she can either live with or have removed. So as you can imagine, that sparks a lot of anxiety for a neurotic TV writer, which she deals with by writing um, like a spec show Bible about an 18th century novelist and diarist named Francis Burney, who I didn't know this, but basically invented the chiclet novel, you know, in a manner of speaking. So it's just a fun book. It's in L.A. It's If you're interested in being a TV writer, it's fun to read about a TV writer. And once again, it is called The Spinster Diaries. And then we also want to tell you about a show that we are both totally obsessed with. Yes. It's called Vida. It was created by Tanya Siracho. It's on Stars. You can also find it, I believe, on Hulu. I've been watching it on Hulu. It's about two sisters who return to their home in Boyle Heights after their mom dies, and they discover that their mom had a wife, and the family bar is underwater, and they stay to save the bar. And it's just brilliant. Like, it's just unbelievably brilliant every single episode. Yeah, the cast is amazing. I have, I love every single person in the cast. And it's really exciting because um, all the writers and directors are Latinx. And we think the first season, it's all women directors. Yes. And they're so, so good. Yes. It's directed beautifully. It's written beautifully, acted beautifully. Even the costumes are amazing. Uh, yes. <laughs> You and I have been talking about, especially one of the characters, the younger sister, her workout outfits. I didn't know there could be workout outfits that like are worth talking about, but hers are worth talking about. Yes, I literally sit around and I'll find myself thinking about these red exercise pants she's wearing with with like cutouts on the side. And I'm like, where did they come from? They're they're insane. It's insane. I binged all 22 episodes in like two days. Like you told me about this show and I just <laughs> went so deep so fast. I absolutely love it. So check out Vida, created by Tanya Saracho. Coming up, we've got a Hollywood hack that will help make your feet flip-flop ready. But first, this break. Okay, Sarah, it is time for this week's Hollywood hack, Foot Peels. Now, before we continue, <laughs> fair warning that this is a somewhat gross conversation. Yes. Uh, people might consider it TMI. I don't think my mom will enjoy this conversation. <laughs> um, but we're willing to reveal our dry feet issues for the sake of our listeners. Yes. Now, prior to the pandemic, I was getting pedicures like every two or three weeks. It's just like a thing that I do because my feet can get super disgusting. Same. And then suddenly you can't go. And I mean, Violet was just like making fun of my feet nonstop. Just like your feet are so gross. Well, then you told me about these foot peels. You said you get this mask for your foot and you put it on. And then a few days later... All the skin peels off, revealing this beautiful baby soft skin underneath. I was very skeptical. I did not think such a thing was possible over the counter. <laughs> right. And then you did it and you were still skeptical for days. I was still skeptical because it says on the pack in three to seven days, you'll, your skin will start peeling. And mine didn't start till like the night of day six. Yeah, no, I talked to you on like day five and you were like, it's not working. It doesn't work. My feet are so bad that it's not even going to work. Yeah. And then, you know, magic happened and I looked down and there it was peeling off the night of day six. (laughs) 
So I just did my second one. I'm waiting for the peeling to begin. But this is like a real game changer. Truly is. No, I just ordered a new set. They usually come, I think, in packs of two. But I'm not having anything shipped to my house because we're about to go to Minnesota. So they'll be waiting for me when we get there. Now, I should mention, I don't know which one you got. I got the Demora foot peel mask for baby soft feet. And it was about $30 for two sets. So $15 a time. Um, And we will link to that in the show notes. And I don't know which one I got because they were a gift from my friend Catherine. And I have since thrown away the box. Ah, well. So get the ones Liz got. Yeah, I'll be getting those. It works. (laughs) And that's it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. We love to hear from you. Email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and please subscribe if you haven't already. Thanks to our executive producer, the amazing Chuck Reed, and everyone at Sancola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram at Sancola Sound. Thanks to everyone at Cadence 13. And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Check out the other Onward Project podcasts, Happier with Gretchen Rubin, Side Hustle School, and Do the Thing from Whole 30's Melissa Urban. And check out the newest Onward Project podcast, Everything Happens with Kate Bowler. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at Liz Craft and Sarah is at S Fain. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join the conversation and for your catastrophizing accountability. Until next week, I'm Sarah Fain. And I'm Liz Craft. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. Chuck, how are your feet? Do you need a foot peel? They're perfect, of course. Do men foot peel? <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, they they're cracked. Sometimes they get cracked. So I guess that might be peel. No, this would help. You could use a foot peel. I'm sure anyone can. I think we should ask Amanda this question. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we'll ask her opinion. <laughs> From the Onward Project.